0: So welcome to the session on the 17th of August, 2019. Today's title is A, Pro- A Profound Realization, and I'm going to share with you um, basically an insight that I got in meditation this week that was so powerful and so made so much sense, suddenly I got this deep insight into how people get so upset about things that they really don't need to get upset about and it's not even about ego it's actually a process of misidentification and so this is how it goes and we can try it now and then when we meditate you can try it in the meditation as well so the idea is you close your eyes and you just center yourself and there are going to be two different streams actually that are flowing through this experience one is the thought stream so just see if you can pick up some thoughts I mean, you might not be too busy at the moment, but if there are thoughts there, you just notice them. Even if it's the thought of a sensation, or the thought of the music, or the thought of yeah, something physical, anything, whatever you're picking up in within the sphere of experience, physical or mental all right and you can call that basically just the ever-changing flow of phenomena that together constitute your experience of life in a body in a mind alright so by now you should have had some interaction or observation of those moving things but simultaneously there is another flow going on and that's the flow of awareness, of just pure awareness of being. So see if you can just feel that now, just the sense of awareness itself. Now here's the realization, it seems to me that the true sense of self, of being, of your true identity lies not within the thought sphere but in the experience of just awareness. The awareness, according to the yogis, is the true eternal sense of self. But you see what's going on is that the if you go back to the other thing it's like the awareness intermingles it mixes with the thoughts and with the experiences so you've got basically two things going on at once if you are attentive to it you feel that the awareness is there but in between and mixed up and entangled with the awareness are all these other thoughts So there's almost like an interplay except that the awareness is not playing it's just there. The thoughts are sort of weaving through the field of awareness. This this may become more apparent when when you're actually meditating and you'll probably see it more clearly. But basically Those are the two dynamics. One is the permanent, eternal, continuous flow of present awareness. The I am, as you. The permanent state of beingness. Right, so it's easy to tune into that, you can get that. But then you've got this other thing, you've got this other narrative that comes and goes. Thoughts, emotions, associations, perceptions memories okay now here's the here's the test which you know really what I I think is going on with most people is that because awareness which carries a sense of me is so closely entangled and connected and mixed up with the thought stream that the people mistakenly believe that the thought stream is who they are In other words, that they are their thoughts. Can you see how that could happen? Because you've got this background sense of me-ness, which is being carried in the awareness, but because it's so closely mixed with the thoughts, the thoughts almost pick up the illusion that they are the me, that the mind is the me, that the sensations of the body other me but they're not they're just um, coincidental they're lying within the same plane but they're not it so the key to the cessation of suffering is to correctly identify who the real me is, where the real me, the real self, resides. And once you see this, once you look through the curtain of existence and understand that your true nature is the unchanging, ever-present, unbroken state of pure, present awareness, that whatever then happens in the thought field, is just a passing thing that need not really concern you too much because you know it's going to be gone whatever comes in and moves out of that sphere is just a passing thing and you can engage with it or not engage with it but don't fall into the trap of believing that that's who you are and if you can get to that point as a a matter of experience not just intellectual understanding then you'll gain a huge sense of liberation because suddenly there's no pressure to perform anymore because the the, the state of present awareness is perfect already cannot be improved upon so you return, constantly return to that state, let the identification of self be attuned to the pure present awareness know that is yourself live that live from that position as self, and then everything else just becomes the passing parade and then the thoughts can no longer entangle you they can't trap you anymore because now you know that they're just a field of moving energies A parade or a stream of energies that are moving through the underlying field of just pure awareness the ground state the fundamental state the eternal state of the ever-present now and you just take refuge in that and that's it so that was the profound realisation so that the sense of me that is being carried in the field of awareness is imbues the thoughts with some illusion that they are you but actually it's not coming from the thoughts it's coming from the underlying state once you realise because people think that they are their thoughts you know, quite often they think they are their mind and we'd say that's misidentification okay and then you can come back into the experience of your presence in the room and just notice how there's some shift has occurred perhaps in your experience So did that make sense? Did you did you see the duality there? Did you see the feel the difference between the awareness and the thoughts? That's the key. Once you see once you can separate those two layers, then you really you've really solved the puzzle. Put in times of stressful
1: situations or anxious mm. situations. And mm. Suddenly, jump out of that. I'm
0: not. I'm not that. Crazy thinking. Like yeah. That
1: stillness behind, like being aware of that crazy thinking. I'm aware.
0: Because that's why people get anxious. I think is that they, they get, can't get. out of yeah, it. Yeah, they get trapped in the, those thoughts in that web of thoughts. And they think that's who they are, and there's nothing other than that, and there's no escape, and they feel powerless and victimized and everything else. But the moment you can lift that layer, separate that layer, and just say, Come back into the other state that is the observer, and know that, that is who you are, then the other can just leave or play out. But it's not entangling you. This, this is the way to get free of that, of that complex. It's to stop identifying with it. So this is what they say in the um, Tantric li- literature. They talk about the process of pratnyabhijna, which is, in Sanskrit, it means recognition. The full text is pratnyabhijna, Vijna hridayam the heart of, hridaya is the heart so it's the heart of the doctrine of recognition so the doctrine of recognition basically states states that the human condition, the problem of the human condition is not a problem of being inadequate it's not a problem of lack it's not a problem of uh, insufficiency or uh, that somehow you need to change in any way the problem fundamentally is one of that we're not recognizing the underlying perfect state that already is or you could say Eckhart Tolle says the now not recognizing that our our continuous existence is much more closely identified and more real and grounded in that than in this other thing and so if you start to recognize that then it's not a becoming this is the key there's no you can't you can't be any better than you are now from the viewpoint of the absolute the underlying complete uh, you know powerful penetrating state of awareness that permeates everything can't can't be can't be diminished can't be added to can't be impugned you know lessened brought down Diluted, it can't be attacked. It can't be your um, adieu- The vilified. It can't be none of those things.
1: Can you explain how like, awareness informs thought? Like where where the thought actually arises from? Does it arise from the awareness?
0: Okay. So the awareness. Another way of saying, talking about awareness is to say it is the underlying state of pure potentiality it's the ground state so let's say it's the blank canvas of your life and that the whole of creation is emanating out of this unmanifest state of pure potentiality including thought so if you and if you're really attuned you can actually see thoughts arise and then they persist and then they subside but they're arising out of the field of pure potentiality out of the nothingness as it were. But we know it can't be nothing because it contains the potential for everything. It's almost like the universe before it was formed. That field that state in the um, Hindu culture, They, they, they call it the Shiva state, the male principle. It's the unmanifest and the Shakti is the female state, the yin and the yang, the, 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 the unmanifest from which is born the manifests. the creation comes out of that. And so thoughts, and so they use that same metaphor over and over again to explain all different things, the birth of physical phenomena, but to your question about the birth of thoughts, it's the same dynamics so of the thoughts are being born out of the field of pure awareness. And so when we are meditating, we're actually reversing the process. So we start within the thought field. Where we begin, we just might do a mindfulness thing where we're just observing the entirety, like we just did, of the thought field. And you're seeing all the movements going on, feelings, thoughts, emotions, associations, perceptions. And then if we use mantra, or any of those centering techniques, you start to collapse the thought field from a myriad of forms into one, that being the object of meditation, or it could be the candle flame, or it could be the breath, or whatever the practice we're doing. But for the sake of the example, say it's the mantra. So what we're doing is we are collapsing the attention, or we're bringing the attention to rest on one point, instead of all the different movements. One point we return to that, and then uh, when you release uh, that, release any energizing, any attachment even to the mantra and you're just allowing it to occur naturally, even then that will become more and more subtle. And basically it's returning to the source. Okay, It's coming back to where it was born and that's into the field of unmanifest of the pure state of being that has no name or form. So everything dissolves back into that and if you if you have those deep meditations where all the everything falls away and you're just in that pure state of just being thought free even if it's for only a few seconds but you'll get little glimpses of it and there's something profoundly powerful and restorative about doing that and because
1: it's, it's, it has intelligence so if you more and more into awareness and less and less into thinking then
0: it can run your life <laughs> on <it's> automatic. <coughs> well there's different things you can do with it you can take intention into it and so you can create from that state rather than trying you know how usually we're creating from the thought state yeah so we're trying to solve a problem using brute force problem you know brainstorming and stuff and it's very hit and miss but if you take problems down into that state it's the same process everything will return but you're taking the intention down like when we do yoga nidra and you're taking the intention down into that beneath the surface that's where all the work gets done so if you can learn to become familiar with the state and then you can start to experiment and 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 observe then you'll start to see how things are actually happening but yeah so thoughts are coming out of that out of the void so it's
1: a fullness rather
0: than a limiting yeah void i always find void is a is a very misleading
1: full of everything it's all there it is intelligent it knows all
0: except that it has no characteristics of its own this is why Deepak Chopra calls it the field of pure potentiality which is a great name for it because a field implies that it is you know very all-encompassing it's a field with no boundary, no limit it's pure because it's not conditioned and potential, pure potentiality means that everything comes out of it everything that is created, every idea that you have initially is born from it. So to return to the initial process the separation that I'm talking about is allowing the awareness to rest with awareness itself and not with the thoughts. To see that thoughts are there but the thoughts will be rising and falling but that you notice the thing about this awareness is it's a very constant do you feel that that the awareness awareness itself is unchanging so if i say if i said to you like 15 years ago we were sitting here and i'd go where's your awareness and you would have a certain experience of it it's never felt any different has it you might have other you know, other things going on, but the actual pure, if I said the pure sense of you as you, the feeling of you as you, has always been the same. It's subtle. It's subtle, subtle. but but I mean, even as a child, if someone sat you down and said, are you you? And you'll go, well, yeah, who else would I be? And you go, what is that feeling? Of units what does that feel like your own sense of you not you as anything not you as name as role as attribute but just the you it's always the same unbroken it's the common when in law they talk about the golden thread that runs through the law it's the unbroken um, principle that connects all states is this enduring sense of just being when everything else is stripped away and another way of looking at it is this here's a, this is a fun way of doing it a bit gruesome but maybe but if you lost a toe would you still be you and you say well of course and would that sense of you still be there and you go yeah and what if you lost the foot And then you go through the whole body, and eventually it's like that Monty Python thing where he's cutting off the Knights of Nith where he's cutting, and there's in the end there's just like the head on the ground, and he yells out, "Come back, you coward!" So, um, so if there was only if you were if you were reduced to some hypothetical brain in a in a glass jar you probably still feel like you you might not look like you but the sense of you-ness is still there right and then if what if you erase the thoughts what if you so this is a process of uh, reductionism if what if i took away one thought that you could never have again maybe it's the thought um, i'm not good
1: enough
0: yeah there you go. that's a good one to get rid of Let's say you could never have that. Or what about a thought that's more simple than that is, um, uh, you know how people identify with their football teams? So they might say I'm a Collingwood supporter or Eagles or Sharks or Rabbitohs. Well, what if that team no longer existed? If you could erase it, all, all memory of it. And so you're no longer identifying as being a supporter of that team. Well, would you still be you? Yeah. I mean, it's obvious when you think it through like this that if you take away all those things that you think you are, and if you took away, you know, ninety percent of your body, still that sense of oneness is there. So I'm asking you to contemplate: what is that sense of oneness? And that's the, just the pure sense of being. And as I say, it's not contingent on any condition of mind or any attribute a body it's just just is and so what we're looking for in this practice of the um, the recognition of self as the awareness is that you've got to relinquish you know the addiction let's say or the conditioning to a whole body of other thoughts that other people have put in your head, or you've assumed for yourself, that, are, that I am this man, I am this name, I am this profession, I am this father, I am this, all these things, which are all necessary within a relative existence, but they're not who you are, in the truest sense. So, if you can make that distinction and then move the identification and the return to pure awareness, then that's when all the big transformation happens.
1: So, is is awareness? Does all awareness have its nature? Like, what would be the result of doing that? If I was, say, a new person and I started to do that, what would be the result? Like, do you do you have a more blissful experience
0: or? the short answer would be you would have a sen- an increasing sense of liberation because you're getting free of the stuff that's been limiting you so i think you start to sense your your unlimited unlimited nature that would be the experience but i mean it's for each person to judge for themselves but if i said to you right now Everything that you thought you were, everything that you, that was worrying you, everything that you know was weighing you down. If you could all just park that to one side and just go back into this beautiful state of just being. Know that is yourself. Nothing can, and then learn to love that state. Learn to to feel deeply what that means, because within that is actually, they say, the source of your love, the source of your joy, the source of your, um, all that is meaningful. At the, deep, at the most intimate level, I'm not talking about you know people derive meaning from their work and all that, I grant that, but in the sense of the most intimate connection with you could say spirit you know, spirit if you want to say that no one can take that away so invest what our teacher would say invest in that enterprise if you can do that, build the relationship with that state understand it and start to live from that state honestly all your problems go away everything, everything else seems so trivial you know, when Nisargadatta wrote that book, I Am That, and he says things like, um, that which is unreal never exists. That which is real never dies. He's making that nice distinction, that the unreal never exists in a sense. I think he might say it a little bit differently. he goes yeah the real does not die the unreal never lived once you know that death happens to the body and not to you you just watch your body falling off like a discarded garment the real you is timeless and beyond birth and death The body will survive as long as it is needed. It is not important that it should live long. So, I mean, this is a pretty radical view. I mean, Nisargadatta is right at the extremity of Advaita philosophy where he's going hardcore into this idea that all the rest of this is just of no consequence at all. Now, I'm not quite as extreme as this. I say that there's validity in what he says for sure, but see, in the tantric view, this is advaita, right? So advaita is not tantra. Tantra is the view that says all of this worldly experience is legitimate. It's still there to be enjoyed, to be known, to be uh, experienced. Uh, but you use it as a springboard to direct you back to the into the self. So when we do the wine or the the chocolate or on any of those sensory things you're not denying the experience of nature but you're let's say we're taking a drink of water you you take the experience you know you can you try a drink of water and you just follow the experience back to where it is being experienced Doesn't it just take you straight back into the center, if you track it back? See? So that's that's a different approach. All, All roads lead to Rome. So whichever way up the mountain you want to go, Advaita is one path up the mountain, Tantra is another path up the mountain, Hatha Yoga, Pranayama, all these different yogas are all different ways up. But the key is that they all lead back to that. If you're doing hatha yoga, so you're doing the asanas and you're in a posture and maybe you're breathing and you're completely in the posture and then thought falls away. Doesn't that take you back to the center as well? So it's another way. I
1: think, I think you once said that's why there were so many different paths in yogas and yogas because each person is different their personalities are
0: different so they find something very easy yeah that's right so there's you know it is a smorgasbord luckily the ancient yogis knew that that, um you know some people might find it extremely, extremely difficult to grasp what i'm saying today because it might seem a bit intellectual or a bit whatever that's sort of like jnana yoga the yoga of knowledge and of discrimination and understanding So, you know, for some people we should be better off just chanting Aum or something. But, you know, you guys are pretty clued into the theory of this now. And I think when someone points it out to you and then you're given the opportunity to test it yourself and then you see it, then there is something that is gained from that. So I think we'll stop the discussion now and we'll meditate. And I guess what I'm going to invite you to do this time is as you're going into the meditative state, as you're passing through the realm of thoughts that are the gatekeepers that stand between you and let's say the unmanifest state of complete stillness notice how the thoughts that are actually if you give them permission they would lure you out of that state and they could eventually entrap you into them into their own little scenario but that the awareness is still there (laughs) and the awareness is trying to pull you the other way the awareness is trying to pull you deeper and as you're going into the awareness really try and tap into this idea that that is who you really are that sense of your true nature as you leave the other things behind let's imagine if you were dying okay we like to um, sounds macabre but I like to practice dying a lot where you lie there and it's just letting everything go. If you're not scared of death, this is one of the things that we'll get to is you completely lose the fear of death because as he says, it's just the body that dies. But if the awareness remains, then for meditators the process of death must be much easier because it's very familiar that you are already used to letting go of thought, letting go of sensation, letting go of any even to the point where we nearly fall out of our chairs because we lose body awareness i mean in a sense that is analogous to the process of leaving the body that you would lose the sense lose the senses (coughs) sight sound smell touch hearing isn't that what's going on we're just detaching from the mind-body complex and we're moving into a state which is transcendent and you know the argument is that that's essentially what happens. You become free of body mind, and then suddenly you're not limited. And if you believe all the near death experiences, and I mean your father was it had that thing where he went and came back, and had lost all the fear. he
1: oh, just wanted to go again.
0: Because that that state is so liberating. You're rand that had the near yeah i i I know a guy that had that same thing too leave the body go into this amazing state of expanded awareness where you can see in 360 degrees you know and all this limitation that we face at the moment because we're trapped in this organism that is very well optimized for surviving at this level but you don't actually but, but it is it's optimized which means it's limited right we've got binocular vision so that we can judge depth there was never any evolutionary reason for us to be able to see out of the back of our heads right um maybe in the future that could change and we grow eyes in the back of our heads i know i had a teacher that seemed to have eyes at the back of their head <coughs> they actually said that once i know what you're doing but when you get free of body mind the experience is tremendous have you ever had a near-death experience or out of the body experience when you rise up or maybe in dreams astral traveling any of that kind of stuff dream state is actually pretty liberating because that's your first glimpse if you could remain aware and present during dreams and exercise Uh, intention within dreams that they call it lucid dreaming we could do some stuff like that dream yoga is really amazing you start to develop much more conscious awareness during dreaming and then you basically got the keys to the kingdom you can be anywhere in the universe so that's essential yeah it's fun you can do it you can practice one thing you can do before you go to sleep at night if you want to start doing this is you hold the intention that you want to have present awareness during the dream state, so you carry the awareness in, so you are pre-programming the conscious mind that to be present still during the dream state, and there are other things you can do. Like it's through
1: thought. I mean, specifically, what would you
0: actually do? It's through so intention, so it's through so will. Is that thought or feeling? And or it's fit, well, it's will. It's icha shakti so it's the will uh, the same as if you decide to stand up right this is how intention works if i if you decided to stand up before the action occurred there's the will the spunder yeah,
1: but you don't say i'm now going to stand up inside you, you don't, don't say it
0: but but it. you can capture that moment where the oh. will is there oh. there's your intention right so you get that same intention and you use it this way you use it any way you want if I want to pick up the glass of water before I do anything unless it's a reflex action which is involuntary like, you know the, the what is it what's this reflex called the, I know there's the Babinski one so I mean there's no intention well actually there isn't the intention is to do to, to do that but that part is unintentional but putting aside reflexive actions all our other actions are intentional right so what's that little yeah, what is that? what's that little movement that occurs before the thing begins that's your that's where the intention is so you use that to take you into the dream state with lucy well we can try some different techniques around that mm. there are ways you can do it one thing is to try and Remember to visualize your hands if you're having a dream. Look at your hands. That's a a comment there. Um, (coughs) Native Americans used to use that technique because they all believed in this too. So you, you just, at some point in the dream, did you ever see the movie Inception, where he had the spinning top? So he created a dream object that was constant fascinating movies talking about layers upon layers of existence and what the the instrument was doing would tell him whether he was dreaming sorry whether he was in a real state or an imagined state and that became the anchor to the conscious awareness of what was going on I'm not explaining it well because it's a very difficult movie to even understand but the idea is that by having an anchor, like looking at your hands in the dream, then that's, that becomes the trigger to bring the awareness into the present of that. And when the awareness is there, then, you're, then you're, you've got control of the dream and then you can start to really have fun. It's amazing. And then the other thing you should do is um, as soon as you wake up, start writing down, recollect the dream straight away so you start to build a dream narrative and that what that does is it conditions you to be more if you know that you're going to do that it forces you to become a little more attentive during the dream because you know you're going to have to record it and so you're pre-programming through uh, the before and after as it were as to uh, becoming more conscious during the dream itself it's all fun and then all we're playing with here is just awareness all the different forms in which awareness arises. Remember, now here's the other thing, I have to really stop now because I want to give us a long meditation. But in the in the yogic view of mind, they say there are three states that are common to all. Waking, dream and deep sleep. Right, so the waking is Jagrat, sleep is Nidra and then there's Sushupti. and those three states are typically mutually exclusive so you can't be awake and in deep sleep at the same time you can't be in deep sleep and dreaming at the same time and you can't be awake and dreaming at the same time like fully awake.
1: What about when you have visions? While
0: you? Can we just park that? That's <laughs> a good question but let's just finish this one first. So now <coughs> The fourth state, the turiya state, is the state of just the awareness itself. So you're in the waking state now, but you're also aware that you're in the waking state. This is sort of going back to what I said at the beginning, that there are the thoughts, but there's also the awareness. What is it that's aware that you're having thoughts? It can't be the thought. The thoughts can't be aware of themselves, there has to be something that's observing the thoughts, that is separate from the thoughts. So what is that? Inquire into the nature of that, because that's where the answer is. So that's the turiya. that's the state of pure awareness. And you can see right now, even as we're saying this, that that awareness can be coexistent with the waking state. There's awareness and there is the waking state. Now, that might seem pretty self-evident, because uh, it would be hard to be in the waking state and not be aware because the awareness is very close to the surface, you could say, in the waking state. When you go into the dream state, if you start to practice the lucid dreaming, then you start to cultivate and bring the awareness more uh, more into evidence so that you can be aware and dreaming, which is what lucid dreaming is, and then you can use will to move around in the dreams. By the way, any spiritual practice, they say that is done during the dream state, is much more powerful and yields much more fruit than the same practice that is done during the waking state this is from the book Dream Yoga that I'm reading at the moment Zogchen book so if you're going to do mantra when you're awake try doing it while you're in your dream state and I think the reason is that it's um, this thing about the dream state being very unlimited you get an amplification effect whatever it is that you're doing any form of spiritual practice if you can import that into the dream state and work on doing it there as well I mean apart from anything else it's very efficient because normally you're just lying there asleep doing nothing
1: as well be doing. yeah may as well be do doing
0: something. something that's getting you some benefit <laughs> so you can see that there can be awareness during the dream state most people usually just black out, don't remember their dreams I say they don't dream but of course, they do, everyone is dreaming. But then there's the other state, the deep sleep state. Now, do you think they can have awareness during the deep sleep state? The non dreams mm-hmm. the dreamless sleep state. Be. I, don't
1: know, I
0: don't think so. <laughs> Your immediate re- response is to say, I can't see how that could be possible, but then consider this.
1: You'd still get woken up. I- that's
0: right exactly correct straight from the Sira of Mm -hmm. again (laughs) she nails it Mm -hmm. the fact that you're in a deep sleep state there must be something that is still monitoring what's going on that if you hear a sound outside what is it that heard the sound if you're in a deep sleep state and there was no awareness then you couldn't be roused nothing could rouse you but if someone calls your name would still come you would it. come out, or if they shook you, what is what is it that is aware well, of was being shaken?
1: Oh, did you, I, you get that one too? I yeah, got that one. That must have been one be. in the morning, and I just I, I got one about eleven. Out of yep. Quite a very deep sleep. Now, how did I know that? How did I know I was in
0: a deep sleep? So that so they say that even in deep sleep there is awareness. But it's more subtle, less evident. But again, eventually, a yoga nidra actually is a nice example of where we're merging deep sleep with awareness, right? Because the body is actually going into deep sleep. If you do true yoga nidra and go really deep into yoga nidra, you can't even move your body.
1: But your mind is
0: hovering over the top. Yeah. Well, so I'd say awareness is there too, strongly. And that's, the, that's what's really fun about Yoga Nidra, is that it's showing you that there can be awareness during sleep. And I do Yoga Nidra sometimes, and I notice my breath changes, and I'm breathing as if I was breathing in deep sleep. So what I'm saying with all this is that the awareness is ever-present in all states of consciousness.
1: Mm.
0: And that's why he says that it's the only real state.
1: Can I just throw a thing in there? So- mm? If, if that's happening how does the other thing is how does your body start to heal itself you know because so many other things happen when you go into that state where your body relaxes um, you know your nervous system settles you know the good things with your blood pressure all those kinds of things all settle and everything I suppose resets itself
0: during deep sleep yes yeah. Or,
1: or in deep meditation. Yeah. If, if you're healing yourself, aren't
0: you? Well, I think that has to do with rest. That but the there must be an energetic process. Oh, there's, well, there's an intelligence. I think it's the life force that we talk about, the prana shakti or the kundalini is not some dumb force. When we're doing the meditation and you feel energy moving through your body, your head shakes, or you see lights, visions, all that this kind of stuff, all the processes that are occurring are not random, it's actually the life force that is moving through and clearing out blockages. In a way it's healing you at the energy level. When we meditate we... is
1: that not an intelligence?
0: It is. It is.
1: It's separate too, or as well as.
0: It's not our intelligence, it's the inherent intelligence, it's the intelligence of life. Same intelligence that makes the, that shows a seed how to germinate. Or uh, you know keeps the planets in their orbit that, that creates the laws of physics I mean when you think about the complexity of life how does it all how does every, how does life know what to do and to do it so perfectly and apparently effortlessly there is that intelligence I actually had this thing where I cut off the end of my thumb with a very sharp knife not really badly but enough that i cut off the curve
1: did you find it in your on your chopping
0: board no i don't know what happened it's probably ended up in the salad bad thought um <laughs> so the thumb was flat at the top and i was thinking well how's that going to grow back i thought it would grow back flat because that's the most efficient way to regrow what was wasn't there as you just heal that bit but i thought how is my thumb going to be like it was before and lo and behold it grew back with a curve on the end so how did the cells that were there know that they had to start going out in a curve how do they know where they were relative to the part that needed to be healed and how did the framework occur that told the new cells that they had to grow back into this shape how is that possible that they were growing into a vacuum to grow at all sure but i mean that you could probably say well there's a healing thing but how does it know and, and i it struck me that there's this like these guys are intelligent they knew exactly what i didn't have to tell them that we didn't have to go to a medical textbook or instruct them in any way that there was within the dna of every cell is the complete blueprint of your entire body I mean, that's phenomenal. So when you heal in your sleep, it's the, it's the instructions that are carried within life uh, are, are just doing what they're pre-programmed to do. But the key is rest, see? Because the, the thing about nature, when I observe, we might turn that off.
1: Yeah.
0: Is that, don't you see, when you look around in nature, that all the processes of nature are basically effortless that they are the least effort when the when an ocean wave moves in the particles move into the shore every particle is moving in the least energetic way necessary for them to fully expand their energy so that if there's a rock there they'll just go around it if there's a ridge, they'll go over it. Everything's moving in the most economical way that it can move. When, when a tree blows, moves in relation to the wind. The wind's exerting the pressure, but the branches are moving in the way that, if you look at the structure of the atoms and the forces within the branch, it's moving in the least effortful way. It could move that way, but that would take more that would involve more resistance, right? If the stick is structured like that, it's going to move in the least resistant way in response to the wind. It's not going to go the other way. When you walk and you move your leg, I did this one with Karadik You know, there are. I'm walking like this. Everyone walks differently, right? You know, we've all got a different gait. So the way that my leg swings is the least effortful way that that leg couldn't go if I had to go that way I would have to apply more effort
1: a funny
0: yeah exactly <laughs> but the but this way is the least effortful way so everything in nature is occurring in the least effortful way that it can so there in itself is there an intelligence that life is economical that it doesn't expend any energy unnecessary and in fact even when you say well what about the wind the wind is not actually blowing the wind is being sucked you know there's we think wind is pushing from somewhere but it's actually being pulled into the low pressure region from the high pressure region so it's like a relative vacuum that's going and wherever that is the, wherever there is more pressure it's coming to it so think about that there's no effort the wind doesn't isn't using any effort it's just responding to changes in pressure so you can tell I used to be a science teacher <laughs> but when you put it put all that together all of life is this amazingly complex system of interacting processes that are all pre-programmed uh, to be the most effortless expression of that which they are. And our life can be like right Exactly. Beautiful. So you close the circle and you say, why not live like that too? Mm. And so what does that look like? It means no resistance. Well, you say, well, I have to, sometimes at work, I have to assert myself and go, okay, work and everything that you have to do within the relative stream of thing, you just do what you need to do, according to duty. But well, in even terms I have
1: watched that at work though things that that we would resist we no longer do and
0: it still flows it flows it's about what are they what's the old hippie expression flow something about flow go with the flow, go go with with the the flow. that's what that's talking about the flow is the flow of life resistance is what causes you see
1: and you just resistance
0: resistance causes heat causes friction wastes energy anxiety is actually a form of self-harm in the sense that you're not acting appropriately to what the situation could otherwise how it could be addressed you're resisting something whereas if you can and that's due to misidentification that again you're investing too much in perhaps the outcome whereas you should be looking at the big picture of what what perfection looks like in that state what kindness see kindness compassion forgiveness are very effortless have you noticed if you rack up all the emotions on a scale anger takes a fair bit of energy doesn't it aggression takes quite a bit of energy love nothing at all most probably why it's the most highest vibrational state because it's the If it's our true nature, it should be completely effortless. Compassion. How hard is it to be kind? Doesn't it feel like it's just such an easy flow? The flow of kindness is easy. Right? Acceptance. Try acceptance. Pretty effortless, isn't it? if you put aside your agenda and just go with acceptance, oh well, you know, let it go. Let it go. Isn't it easier to let go than to hang on? Grasping. We're talking about grasping. What is it that grasps? The ego wants to control. Letting go is trust. Trust is a much more uh, ennobling uh, emotion than fear see so when we unpack it all going back to my initial realization about the separation between awareness and thought say is that in this awareness you can be effortless and still be okay still be safe Body body may not be safe Mind may not be safe, but since you're not those things anyway, what does that matter? That's just a temporary thing. Sure, you wouldn't put yourself out of your way to expose physical pain, or to give yourself pain, but all other things being equal, if it's your destiny to get sick, like Ramana Maharshi who had cancer, they say, well, aren't you suffering? He says, no, the body suffers, but I'm not that anyway. See how it all works? Now <sighs>
1: yeah, oh.
0: Resistance. It's not resistance. See? Effort. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Go with the flow. It's going to be frozen song in a minute. I can feel it
1: coming on. Go with the flow. <laughs> it's a soul.